0: Thank <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be with you once again as we continue our series, Body of Work. Last week we were at the fair. Now we're back to our usual Steadfast home. And as we return here, we return to a subject we started with a couple of weeks ago. As I mentioned last week, we have this sandwich at the beginning of the list of different elements or different gifts that God gives in his church. We started with prophecy, a challenging one to an extent because it can be focused on sort of the spectacular, the 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 this momentary spontaneous revelation. But as we talked about, as we looked at it, it doesn't necessarily mean that. There's a lot of careful reflection involved, and it's focused on communicating the truth we find in God's word. Well, now we come to teaching, but in between we had service. So we we have this sandwich. We we are back on the the side of communicating something from God in a more verbal sense as opposed to communicating through our hands and our feet, showing God's love. But as we're going to see tonight, it it keeps building because teaching isn't just about conveying information. We need to think about what teaching really is. Because when when we think about it as essentially the church version of having a a school, the church version of having a university, the church version of going and getting a certification, it becomes, well, if I just have enough information, then I will be a certified Christian and then people should listen to me or or I don't need to listen to them or, or whatever it might be. But that's not what God has in mind. So let's go ahead and pray and ask that he would help us to be both those who are ready to receive good teaching And as the Spirit calls us, that we would be ready to communicate God's truth, to teach it to others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening and for your word. As we think about what it means to be a teacher, and what it means to receive good teaching, would you help us to hold on to your truth, to value your truth, to value also showing your love? Would you help us not to see these different gifts as totally separate things as we think about the, the prophetic gift that speaks of communicating your truth. When we think about service and how it communicates your love, would you help us to see how that funnels together into teaching and to be those who hold on to truth and love? Your truth, your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reading a while back about a study. It, it was a study about sunsets. Now, not how they happen? The article did go into some details about that. But what the the researchers were interested in is what happens to us when we watch a sunset. And apparently, I, I'm not quite sure why, but they they surveyed a group of British people who said they would be willing to pay up to a hundred pounds in order to watch a sunset. Now, I'm, I'm again, I'm not quite sure how you process that when we can all go outside and watch a sunset, but Maybe it has something to do with the fact that we often get so busy we don't even notice the sunset. Even if we're outside, we may miss it. And there are plenty of times we're so occupied, we simply don't see the sunset. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it will actually be setting just after Steadfast tonight. So don't worry, you can go ahead and stay right here. And if you're in the central time zone, at least, you can catch the sunset right afterwards. Because here's the thing they found. They found that sunsets are good for our mental health that the way that we process the, the awe of this majestic sight of the sky being filled with different colors as the sun sets actually can do a great deal of good for us and it causes us to to set aside for a moment the the things that are troubling us the things that are challenging us and so this this activity that seems like it's Maybe almost a waste of time on one hand. We're not being productive. We're not getting anything done. We're not replying to people who are trying to contact us. We're not checking off our to-do list. We're not getting anywhere. We're just stationary, staring at the sky. This activity that doesn't seem very productive can actually be very productive. I think that's a little bit like biblical teaching because a lot of times people look at teaching in the church today, and they think, well, it doesn't seem very productive. I remember years ago scheduling different Sunday school classes at the church I was serving at, and people would say, well, they're not practical enough. Why are we just studying a book of the Bible like Romans? Why aren't we getting into this nitty gritty practical application? In seminary, it's almost even worse because they have different divisions of the things you study, and one of them is called theology, or systematic theology, biblical theology, of those sorts of categories, more just theology, and then you have practical theology. Let's go and do something. and It implies that biblical teaching is being divided between the stuff that's just going to fill our heads and the stuff where we actually go and actually get something done. That's not biblical teaching. Biblical teaching fuses the two together. When we're staring at the sunset of the majesty of who God is and what he's called us to do in his word, it is preparing us so that then we can go and do things better. If we stare at that sunset and it removes some stress, and it helps us to process the things we're dealing with mentally, and then we're better enabled to go the next day and and serve at work, serve our families, serve our neighborhoods, then it wasn't really useless at all. And neither is biblical teaching. So let's actually think about what's teaching. Acts chapter 20 is a great place to look for that because it's one of the places where Paul summarizes his view of teaching. And he does so because he's about to depart and he knows that his imprisonment is coming. And this is what he says to the people. He says, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves every one with tears and now i commend you to god and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified i coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me In all things i have shown you that by hard working hard In this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul has a lot packed in here, but you'll notice that he doesn't shy away from the fact that he did a lot of teaching. He he taught them things, and he taught them things that were going to enable them to stand away from and to separate from and to to remove those who would twist the truth. Now, if you're going to understand when people are twisting the truth, you have to know what the truth is. You have to know what Christians actually ought to believe. In other words, what God's revealed in his word about himself. You have to know what it says from cover to cover because plenty of people have twisted the truth by taking one part of scripture out of context, maybe several parts maybe focusing only on the Old Testament, only on the New Testament, only on one verse or one passage. They do these sorts of things. So to do what Paul is talking about here, when we think about how he says he did it for years, what he's referring to is a sense of truly, thoroughly teaching the truth about God. But in that, it's a a distinct sort of teaching that's different from what we normally think of, is academic teaching, because it's all rooted in coming out and living like how Jesus has taught us to live. Now, if you're an academic listening tonight, I'm I'm not picking on academics. I've taught in the university. I've loved being in the university. And really the best teaching in a university setting, in a high school setting, in an elementary school setting, middle school, um, just separate schools for certifications whatever it might be any sort of thing like that it really should have a connection between the information we have and what we do with it that makes sense right if even if we're studying something about the intellect even if we're studying philosophy or we're studying literature it should actually influence our lives great literature influences our lives great philosophy influences our lives how much more so though When we read about who God is and who he's called us to be and how he works in our lives, should it influence our lives and actually impact how we live? It shouldn't just stop in a cerebral collection point where we just hold on to it. And Now I have this big bucket of knowledge so that when I get invited to the church trivia night and we get to the Bible section, I will get it. It's not what it's about doctrine, good doctrine, the sort of doctrine that God actually wants us to worry about, leads to a difference in how we live as Christians. Too often we get really wrapped up in the theological minutia that doesn't really change how we understand salvation, doesn't really change how we live as Christians, but it's great to argue over. I was having a discussion with someone last night about some of the different terminology that gets tossed around in theological circles, and you can use certain words and it will associate you with particular theological schools. But practically speaking, when we're really just worried about what God says and and what he wants us to do, we can avoid that terminology and avoid those divisions because it it doesn't really do anything other than lead to arguments. And and so when we think about it, and maybe you've been in those arguments, maybe you've been in churches that love to have those arguments. and, And when you think about teaching God's word, you think about people arguing with each other or people condemning other people who take a slightly different but still faithful approach to scripture. That is not, that is not what Paul has in mind when he talks about gift of teaching. Gift of teaching should lead to building up the body, should lead away from division and towards unity in the body of Christ because we're talking about here is what God has actually done we care about accuracy yes but we care about it in the context of a loving god who calls us to be loving people and so if we see just part of that if we just see people who are very theologically precise they have all their terminology right they have they can outline the whole of scriptural doctrine not just what book talks about what but then put it into an outline of here's who god is and here's who humans are and and here's how salvation works, and here's what the church is, and, and sacraments, and so on. They can do all that. If they're doing that, but they're using it as a sledgehammer to hit people, And they're not actually being faithful teachers. If we're using it to divide, and not to call us to better unity as Christians, then they're not being faithful teachers. We're not being faithful teachers. And if we're acquiring knowledge that we can divide from our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're not being faithful to good teaching or we're acquiring bad teaching. Here's the thing. Good teaching, faithful teaching, biblical teaching is rooted in truth and aimed at transformation to be more like Jesus. Take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says, certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussions desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So, there's a challenge there, right? There are people who will come out sounding like they have everything in order. They understand what God has to say. They'll make those very confident assertions. But if they're not backing it with the scriptures, with accuracy, with truth, and then communicating it in a way that is focused on loving each other, and they're not actually doing it right. Sometimes we get part of it right, but not all of it right. I was reading about a lawyer who got all excited about this new AI technology we find all over the place. And 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 I, I get it because I find it pretty exciting too. You know, I've mentioned on here and I've mentioned in other form, forums that we have as Little Hills Church that we now have BibleBot AI. You can go on grow.faithtree.com and check that out i wasn't planning to do a commercial right now but why not so you should check that out it's a, a thing that we're doing as a ministry i think ai is pretty neat but we need to know its limits so for example when you use BibleBot, it warns you this is ai generated it may not be accurate you should check it we should do that even with human commentators check it always check what it says according to scripture well, that's what this lawyer forgot. And he wasn't using BibleBot AI. He was using one of the big name ones. And and he, he, he used it to prepare his filings for a court case. And he probably thought, hey, I can do so much better. I, I know a lot of law, but I don't know as much as a computer that's been fed all the knowledge on the Internet. This thing can do so much better. And so he used it to file the 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 briefings for a particular hearing and and as it did so it, it cited various court cases that were very much apropos to what he was trying to say and what he was trying to argue for his client the only problem is the ai was citing cases that didn't exist the lawyer did wonder if the ai would be accurate so he did due diligence he he said he, he asked the ai are you telling me the truth The i said yes well, AI was wrong, and the lawyer was held in contempt of court. He wasn't actually holding all the things together. He was so focused on, this is going to help me to get to victory. This is going to help me to achieve my goal of having a, a even better case for my client, that he forgot he really just needed to worry about basic things like looking up and seeing if the cases that he was going to reference really existed. We sometimes do that. We get so focused on on achieving theological victory that we let go of part of it. And we see this all throughout the Christian world today. Sometimes it's on the side of, I am going to get victory at any cost, even if I'm mincing and dicing and slicing and mushing down the truth and kind of getting part of it. Sometimes it's because it's the other side and and we give up on the love aspect of it, that we're actually doing this because we love God and we love the people that we're communicating with. In either case, it's like running that AI program and allowing it to do all this work, but not actually checking it. We should be checking against the, the, the documentation of God's love and the documentation of God's truth. And if one of those doesn't fit what we're communicating or what we're feeding ourselves with as far as teaching, we should reject that teaching. We should not be that kind of teacher, and we shouldn't follow those sorts of teachers. The calling to teach is not to just be able to own the other side, to prove that somehow we can outwit the others. It's to be faithful to God. And being faithful to God is both a matter of truth and love. And so We hold on to it all, and that's what Paul is talking about here as he has this farewell speech in Acts. He's talking about how he had loved them, that he had sought to be faithful in his work before them. Now, sometimes that does take being courageous and saying hard things. We see that if we go back just a little further in verse 20. He says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. So he said everything they needed to hear. And that actually isn't just the truth side and not the love side, because why do we communicate the truth? Why do we say it even when it's hard? We say it because we love people, at least if we're doing it for the right reasons. Paul did. He he didn't see any way that he could love the people he was ministering to and hold back on things they needed to know. And he knew that he needed to invest the time. He went from house to house communicating that truth. But he didn't just communicate truth. He lived that truth. We see that in verse 30. We jump back once again. uh, He says, And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. So we see, once again, we've looked at that passage twice now, and there's just so much in it, we don't want to miss any of it. Paul weeps over what he's communicating to these people because he loves them, he cares about them. He sought not to, to covet the things that they had. The people he was ministering to were better off financially, at least some of them, than he was, but he didn't covet what they had. In fact, he was a tent maker. He worked alongside the ministry supporting himself so that he wasn't going to even be questioned for financial impropriety. He wanted to make sure that there was no reason to question his teaching. And and throughout all this, he seeks to model what Jesus said, to, to focus on giving rather than being focused on receiving here. doesn't mean that they didn't ever do anything for Paul. Certainly we see the different churches did minister to Paul at times, but Paul doesn't want to be known as someone who was going around like many professional teachers of the day were. Many people still today are going around primarily for his own benefit. Something we should ask about teachers, if we look at their lives, are they going around primarily for their own benefit, for their own glory? Or are they going around because they actually care about the people whom they're teaching? It's all very important. These are important questions to ask because what really matters is that people are genuinely being faithful to God's truth. And you can't do that unless you're actually doing things the way that God calls us to do. People try. People try oftentimes. But it's not how God has called us to be. It's not how he's called us to live. Take a look at James chapter one, excuse me, chapter three, verse one. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. The calling to teach is a hefty calling. It It's one that demands that we actually have God's focus f- towards the people whom we're teaching, that we're not focused on ourselves. And no teacher is going to do this perfectly. No teacher is going to do this very well at all compared to God. we we need to accept that. We certainly shouldn't fall into the trap of, of putting teachers up on a pedestal and, and pretending that somehow they have everything right all the time. No one who teaches does. But we should also, especially as we consider, well, has God called me to teach, understand exactly what James is saying there, that we who teach should be judged according to a higher standard. We should be held accountable. And if we're not doing what's right, we should be called on the, onto the carpet. Sometimes in the church, we don't like to do that. Sometimes, ironically, even though I started by talking about how many in the church don't really value actual teaching all that much today because it seems like nothing's being done, there's another part of the church that makes celebrities out of teachers and wants to honor them to an extent where they really are treated as if they're they're inerrant, that they can't do anything wrong. There's a famous preacher I have in mind as I'm saying this, and probably not the one that you think I'm going to initially. In fact, I know some of the people in our church really appreciate this teacher. He has a lot to say that is very faithful to scripture in so many ways. And yet a lot of material has come out showing that this teacher has not actually been faithful to loving his congregation. He's done a lot of things that if you actually look are really, really cruel now, it always gets excused. It's always, well, people just want to undermine his teaching. No, if a teacher is being cruel, it doesn't matter how good a teacher he is. It doesn't matter how much he holds to the truth. What matters is that he's not living as God has called him to live. He's not actually modeling the love of Christ. And he can be the most accurate theological teacher in a purely intellectual sense. He's a false teacher. because He's not actually teaching and living out that teaching. So we shouldn't cover up teacher's misdeeds. We we have to hold these two things in tension. We should value teaching and understand that as we stare at those sunsets of God's word and his truth and it's being taught to us, it does make a difference that teaching is important. But what's really important is God and his truth, not the teacher. The teacher isn't actually representing God properly. And we should w- walk away from that teaching and as each of us has an opportunity to teach in our lives, we should be thinking about, can I do this in a way, and with God's help, certainly He, if he calls us to teach, he will enable us to do this if we seek him in it. Can I do this in a way where I am not only teaching accurately God's truth, but I'm actually living accurately God's truth. Because the truth should be both known and lived. That's the call of the teacher. And that's the gift that Paul's talking about here. A gift that transforms life. Starting with our own lives, it should be transforming us. And then transforms lives around us. Because doctrine is important. But the doctrine that's real, the doctrine that's faithful to God, is the doctrine that's both known and lived. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, too often we fall into one of these, these traps I mentioned tonight. Sometimes we fall into the trap of devaluing teaching. Let's just go and be practical. We forget that your word is practical. Your truth is practical. If we're studying who you are and understanding who you are and what you've done, that is practical. Sometimes we overcorrect that and say, well, if truth is so important, then we'll follow a teacher who speaks of what your word says, even if that teacher is cruel or 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 uncaring lord would you help us to hold on to both truth and love and to see that your truth is always infused with love that the two always come together and then would you help us both to seek teaching like that and as we have opportunities to teach and share your truth with others to to live like that we pray in jesus name amen I hope this was an encouragement to you tonight. Maybe you tuned in for the first time. You don't really have any idea what the Bible teaches. I hope that you'll follow us and 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 pick up some of the other things we talk about. But here's the heart of it, that Jesus loves you. That's where it starts. That's why it affects how we teach, how we live. And if you don't know Jesus, maybe tonight would be the night that you write in. And leave a comment in the comments below or shoot a text to the text line on screen and one of us would love to pray with you and walk you through knowing Jesus. And that's the starting point of receiving God's loving truth. They go together and they transform. Whether you're brand new to Steadfast or you watch every week, please do like and share this because you can help others hear about how truth doesn't have to be void of love and, and love doesn't require us to set aside truth. That is what My prayers that we do every week here and that we do throughout Little Hills, and that then all of us who gather together then go and do in our lives. And so please do spread the word. Next week, we're going to come back to this subject to an extent. We're coming to teaching versus exhortation, the next spiritual gift that Paul lists. And that seems sort of like the same thing, but there's some important differences. We'll talk about that next week. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. Can't wait to join you again when we gather next Monday.